Hello and welcome into the Bearcat Journal rec Recruiting Show. My name is Mick Walker. I'm going to be sort of the host of this and we're going to be getting running this. I'd like to, before we get too far ahead of ourselves though, I'd like to introduce our guest here, uh, Cooper Patagna. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Cooper, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, thank you. we appreciate you for coming on, Cooper. For those of you that don't know, Cooper does a lot of the different analysis stuff. He had a great piece come out um, today while recording, um, just before we record this, is a his piece about all his thoughts on signing day. So while we're there, Cooper, what were your, some of your main takeaways watching everything unfold nationally on signing day? Yeah, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Travis Hunter, obviously flipping from Florida State to, to Jackson State. I haven't seen anything like that uh, in my time being in personnel or, or being on this side of it in media. Um, but that was uh, that was a pretty big moment. So the magnitude of that and then I think the domino effect that that's going to have in the future is definitely something uh, to, to kind of continue to monitor. I think at the top, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, we, we've gotten so accustomed uh, to seeing the latter two in the top three. But I think A&M's emergence among those three is really something to look at. Ohio State right there in the middle in the top five, tucked away at number four. They've done a great job. And, um, you know, but the way that I kind of see it is th those three teams at the top are, are really in rarefied air. Ohio State's doing a good job. And then there's a big drop off from number four to number five. Um, so that just goes to show the arms race at the uh, at the top of college football. Gotcha. And um, before we get into too much of Cincinnati's class, for those of you that don't know, Cooper's done a lot of stuff when it comes to the college ranks of working in personnel departments, recruiting staffs, and actually during a few few years back from 2015 to 2017, right, Cooper? That's you were, right. You were with the Cincinnati recruiting staff. So that means he was here for the 2017 class that saw one Desmond Ritter come to Cincinnati, become what he has. So, Cooper, when you guys are sort of going through it, watching Des come up, maybe seeing him in camp and stuff. What do you guys see out of Desmond that sort of made him like made you guys believe that he could be even what he is now, I guess. Sure. You know, it was, uh, I'm, I'm looking back, it's kind of nostalgic right now looking at, at some of those classes, but um, you know, I want to give a ton of credit to Luke Fickle and it was actually the previous staff that I identified him. That was Zach Taylor and Blake Rowland uh, who really uh, fell in love with Desmond Ritter. And how about that? I mean, Zach Taylor, the head coach of, Cincinnati Bengals there we were four and eight you know getting let go and, and now he's the head coach uh, of the Bengals right there in Cincinnati but they really liked him I, I would have said it was probably the in-person evaluation uh, that really swayed things for him 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 down in Lexington and Kentucky uh, Blake Rowland Zach Taylor got to see him live and he had a really live arm I think things have kind of slowed down for him and they've sped up mechanically. I think the game has slowed down in terms of a processing standpoint. I think the way that he's playing now, he's playing a lot faster, obviously has a ton of experience under his belt. So it's been awesome to see Dez kind of make that progression uh, as he's gone throughout his college career. Right. I want to see, I want to see if Cooper remembers this the way I do. So Zach goes out and sees like six or seven quarterbacks that April, right? And, and he's right. gone for like two weeks. And some of them were pretty highly rated guys, right? Like some of them I know, were guys I know you guys were excited about in the recruiting department. And he comes back and he says, Desmond Ritter's the guy. Like, what do you guys say? To, like, are you looking like, are, are we sure? No, I think, you know, it, Zach, there was a lot of trust in the experience yeah. where he had been. Um, you know, we really liked him a lot. And then, you know, Blake Rowland too. I mean, it was multiple guys that kind of saw him on staff. I think, there's a collection of thoughts 
throughout that process. I think you have to empower the people that have been in those positions before. Our job as a recruiting department is kind of be the sounding board for those guys, make sure we're asking the right questions. I mean, we were all over the place. We were in Napa, California for a guy named Aiden Willard, I remember. Ended up going to Oregon State. Um, You know, there was another guy, Dresser Wynn from Dresden uh, in Tennessee that was out there kind of in the middle of the woods. And and Mike Timolot, he ended up having a really good career at Tennessee Martin. Um, so it's been interesting to kind of see those guys kind of progress, but they obviously got it right. And, you know, Zach's always had a keen eye. And like I said, I, I got to give credit to Blake Rowan as well. Um, but that was a great job identifying uh, Desmond Ritter. So that was the 2017 class. We'll jump forward to this this current class that Cincinnati just signed this past Wednesday. I mean, you talked about some of the big names up top when it comes to the recruiting rankings, but Cincinnati, once again, top G5 class. Cooper, what do you think about Cincinnati's class as a whole? Yeah, I think, you know, listen, talking at, at the top of it, some of the guys I'm more familiar with, J.Q. Hardaway from Alabama. There's a guy in the top 247 for us. We kind of move him in there late, but we love him. Uh, he's got great position versatility. We played a lot of uh, ball at cornerback position in high school, but he's got great length, really good reactionary athlete, uh, really great ball skills. I think that's kind of what jumps out uh, when you see him. The other guy that I love is Derek Shepard. was a big boy, I remember. Um, you know, kind of going through and, and seeing him and earlier in the process when I was at Oregon a few years back, it's been awesome to kind of see the way that he's progressed. It's hard to find that type of size and athleticism combination at the G5 level. That's a phenomenal job keeping a guy like that home from the Dayton area uh, by Luke Fickle and staff. And then Mario Eugenio uh, from, from Tampa uh, is another guy, but good length, quick twitch guy, explosive. They can kind of use him a lot of different ways. You can stand him up in a two-pointer. He can play with his hand down. Um, and that's kind of the name of the game nowadays, position versatility. The more that you can do gives more options to the defensive coordinator, how they want to scheme, how they want to attack. So I look at those top three guys. I like those guys a lot. And in the quarterback position, uh, Luther Richardson is a guy that, that's kind of emerged late through the process. Extremely talented. I think he is a little bit raw, but he's got developmental upside. I think there's a lot there to work with with Cincinnati. And, and listen, I don't, I don't know if there's been a team really better uh, in the identification and evaluation process at this level than Cincinnati since Luke Fickle's been there. Gotcha. And then so you mentioned you bang, 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 top three guys. Luther's obviously right up there. Is there maybe a guy down there that you had a chance to look at a little bit that you sort of like? Yeah, the other guy I probably would have said would have been the other corner, Oliver Bridges from Bullis in Maryland. You know, same high school as Dwayne Haskins, excuse me. Um, But that was a guy, look, super physical, a lot more off man zone coverage stuff. Ball skills are really good. Three phase player, you kind of see him on at the receiver position as well. Uh, plays fast. And, and like I go back to, I think that versatility is key. But uh, these are the type of guys, all four of those guys really outside of Richardson uh, are the type of guys that could come in and contribute early. It's interesting you mentioned those three positions specifically because that's where this Cincinnati team is at their best, right? Quarterback, cornerback, and then Myjay Sanders defensive end. How much does it help, especially a, a, a G5 school, that has developed this much talent that's getting talked about as first and second round, you know, first two day draft picks uh, on the recruiting trail to say, look, I know there's a lot of big boys involved. I know there's a lot of heavy hitters recruiting you, but if you come here, here is the proof that we can develop you into an NFL prospect. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's a, it's a result based 
business that we're in, you have to have something to sell. So I think being able to see guys in front of you that have uh, developed, you know, Broughton now in the, in the, in the NFL with yep. the Chargers, I think is playing well. Right. Um, so there's been guys before these guys, like you mentioned, that are going to have a, a lot of success. We talk about, you know, Ahmad Gardner, he's obviously very young in his career. And then we talk about Kobe Bryant's going to be another guy that's going to get drafted. Right. So I think for these guys to be able to have that and in, in the credibility, uh, not only pitch that, and we've seen what they've done at the G5 level, but wait till they get to the Big 12. I think Cincinnati is going to consistently jump into this top 25 conversation. I think they have the most to gain out of any of the schools joining the Big 12 and the Power 5 Conference. Yeah, Jen, and I, we mentioned it, and we'll roll right into it from talking about the Power 5, jumping to the Power 5. Obviously, making the making the college football playoffs is a big stepping stone for a program like Cincinnati to get in there to get a team like Alabama in the first round. So you get, you see them get this, you see them get into the playoffs. Just what do you think, what, from your perspective, if you're working in the recruiting department, this happens, how can you guys now expand and take advantage of everything that's coming? Yeah, you got to take advantage. I mean, I think the one thing is you got to make sure that your messaging is right. I think you're looking kind of at that five to six hour radius within 300 miles. And maybe now there are some guys who, you know, weren't really uh, returning your calls earlier in the process now that are reaching back out to you. So I think you're you're circling back on those guys, but you don't want to stray too far away. You know, I think a really good example is another playoff team, uh, Michigan. You know, they, they did a really good job kind of catapulting themselves now into the top 10, finishing this Wednesday early signing period. Did a really good job of capitalizing on that momentum that they've had. I think Cincinnati is in position to do that from a much larger level. Maybe not so much this year, uh, but and beyond this year, what they can do from a bigger picture standpoint for them to go in and be competitive and potentially even win that game in the playoffs and have the chance to advance to the national championship. It's really important for Luke Fickle to be able to do that at the G5 level. I mean, we're talking about something historically that just hasn't happened uh, with the G5 team being in the playoffs. Now they have a chance to potentially go play for a national championship. So you have to believe there's a lot of conversations happening behind the scenes saying, okay, listen, we'll never have more eyes, more attention on us than right now. How do we take advantage of that? Uh, and for sure, they're putting a plan together to make sure that they can strike on this opportunity in recruiting as well. You can speak to this probably better than most because you experienced it. What were those challenges recruiting to a group of five? And it, it, was it just as simple as the power conferences, guys that were after the same kids would just say, look, you don't want to go play in the American. What were those those kind of corridors you had to navigate um, when you were here as the American was kind of finally just starting to get moving a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is really kind of having uh, awareness uh, of where you are on the food chain. Um, and you might not like it, but it's the reality of the business, right? Even when I was at Cincinnati um, and even with the job Luke Fickle has done, um, there are going to be conversations that or, or opportunities that aren't going to go your way because of just where you fall. Now, I think with these guys in the Big 12, that's going to be different, right? It's a little bit more of an equal playing field. But I think that was it. That, that was something that you were constantly battling. But listen, nobody's feeling sorry for you. The moment you start using that as an excuse, you know, you're dead in the water. But and I have to give credit to Luke Fickle. I mean, that has not he no shot of a victim mentality with him or his staff from day one. Um, you know, I was fortunate. I was I was actually there for a few months before I left for Michigan. And, 
got to see him, Marcus Freeman, um, Brian Mason, all these guys who have uh, contributed to so much of the success of the program. They had a clear vision and a plan from day one. I thought that was important. And they emphasize recruiting and continue to do that at a high level. And guess what? When you're at a place like Cincinnati, you have to overachieve. Uh, and they've done all the right things from day one. And there's really not a coach, uh, maybe a handful in the country that I think higher of than the job that he's done than Luke Fickle. Gotcha. And then you talk about a plan and the awareness when it comes to the recruiting department at a place like Cincinnati. There's two maybe philosophies, I guess I'll say, that I, I sort of notice in this class that I'm just sort of interested in your thoughts. The first one being you mentioned JQ and you mentioned Oliver Bridges. But they took six defensive backs, five of them sort of being in the range of six one to six two, and then 170 to like 200 pounds. Taking those guys with that positional versatility, what do you think about that? Those guys that can just sort of play everywhere, do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I think you know, like you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 football, right? Um, the more you do, the more boxes you check, the the more value that you're going to add, and I think. You know, listen, there's an intangible part of this research process as well that's important to make sure that these guys are wired the right way and they fit uh, into the culture of what Luke Fickle is building at Cincinnati and has built and has established. And you got to make sure guys are there for the right reasons. But in terms of the football sense, I mean, it, it, it's fairly simple, right? It's a height, weight, speed game. It's, a, it's all about physical traits. I think that's important. Um, but these guys also have to be able to produce as well. So, listen, they're, they're, they're taking a look and a deep dive and examining these guys from A to Z and what they can do physically. Uh, but it's not just about that as well. You know, they have to have the production. Some guys might be more production based. Other guys might be more projection based in terms of, A, they flashed more than they've actually produced. Uh, so it's weighing those things. And, and do you have the resources in place to where you think you can get the best out of them? Gotcha. And then I'm curious where your, your thought process falls in this. So Cincinnati brought in three different offensive line targets and none of them cracked the 300 pound mark. All guys that you can sort of get in mold to your strength program, not guys that you have to cut too much out of. When you're talking about that awareness and having to be sort of selective about the guys you can go get, how much does that speak about getting guys that you can sort of mold shape and then move them all across the offensive line? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it, it fairly much depends. I'd have to take a look at those guys. But, you know, the NFL draft had a trend where I think the top half of the guys getting drafted in the uh, day one and day two were all under 300 pounds in high school. You know, now it's kind of reversed. We saw a lot of guys from the SEC who were bigger bodies um, who've kind of trimmed down over the years uh, and gotten drafted early. I think it just really depends. But I think a big, big part of that reason, whether or not they're going to be successful or not, uh, just comes down to whether or not they have the physical traits and, and frame to grow into. Um, and obviously, it seems like Cincinnati has identified a couple of these guys where they feel, hey, they're probably going to be a little bit more of a, a slow burn uh, where they're going to have to develop them and put on weight over the course of their first 24 months. Um, but that's part of the process as well. There's a lot of good that comes out of that as well. Yeah, Chan, I'll sort of end here. This is my last question. Cincinnati's already got one transfer. It's a kicker, but Looking at where they at now, they've got some specific needs that are still left. So you're talking about you, that awareness, using using your pool, and sort of knowing and capitalizing off where they're at when it comes to the playoffs. How do you yeah. sort of see Cincinnati using the the portal now and capitalizing, trying to get some of these guys that could be an instant impact, maybe next well, year? The, yeah, it's it's such a now going to be an incorporated part of college football recruiting and talent acquisition. Um, you know, we see different teams use it different ways, but 
you know, it seemed like Alabama is able to go out there and get two difference makers on either side of the ball with Jamison Williams and Henry Toa Toa. Uh, Ole Miss did a really good job with it this year, kind of getting some solidifying. Uh, they're too deep and, and getting guys that could come in and, and kind of fill some holes. So I think every team's going to be different with that. But listen, Cincinnati right now, they have a platform. They're putting guys in the league. I think that's important. They're the first ever G5 team uh, to be able to, to be on this stage and play in the playoffs. This is a really big opportunity for them. Um, they have checked all the boxes. I think after this, they're going to be in a really good position uh, in terms of those phone calls and those conversations. I mean, we're talking about over 1,100 players in the portal, uh, the most that there by far that there's ever been. There's going to be a lot of quality in there. Um, but I think when Cincinnati picks up the phone and they make these phone calls, I think they'll be in it just like anybody else. Gotcha. Chad, you got anything else? Yeah, just let everybody know kind of what you're doing at 24-7 now. Sure. So I'm a national recruiting analyst. I'm on the rankings council with uh, my two guys, Chris Singletary and uh, Gabe Brooks. Love working with those guys. And then other than that, uh, you know, just kind of tweaking our evaluation process behind the scenes and, and doing great stuff like this, you know. So hopefully um, be able to do more content provided type of stuff living down here in Birmingham and uh, really just kind of trying to get acclimated to the other side of it, man. So it's um, it's been good. So Cincinnati fans don't have to, you know, fans everywhere worry. Kid, kid, kid commits to us, his ranking dropped. They don't have to worry about that. Cooper's, Cooper's got him. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I mean, listen, blame it all on me. Anybody does it anyway. It's all good. I got you covered. So tell me about your time in Cincinnati, though. We, we didn't really touch too much on, you know, you saw the program kind of as it was on the roller coaster down and back up. I mean, um, what was your time like and what's it been like watching from afar? Like you said, you spent a couple months here before you left getting to know these guys and watching them go from four and eight to, you know, 13 and oh. Yeah. I, I, our time under coach, uh, Tuberville when I was there in 15, 17, listen, it was my first full-time job. You know, I was an intern at Alabama before that. And I was extremely grateful to coach Tuberville. Um, uh, excuse me, we kind of went through some turnover, made some changes. And, uh, you know, that last year, we kind of knew there was a lot of pressure there um, and, and, you know, did not meet expectations, which is why we found ourselves in, in that position. And I was fortunate enough at a really young age to kind of see what that looked like in terms of that turnover and a new staff coming in the building. And actually the first guy that was in the building was, was Marcus Freeman. Yeah, uh, He was boots on the ground. I got to meet with him really early and, um, kind of go over the plan in terms of, hey, these were all the guys that we had identified, um, evaluated. This is how we had them graded. Uh, you know, my, it was a transition team, right? Uh, you know, so kind of giving them the lay of the land, what is what. At the end of the day, they're making the decision, who's staying, who's going, all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, I was fortunate. I was really fortunate to be there a few months. And we were a very small department. Um, and there were a lot of changes being made. And listen, it was clear to me from day one, you know, I had been at Alabama. I was very fortunate. When Luke Fickle came in, it was like, okay, things are going to be done a different way. There's a vision here. There's a concise plan um, to how he was going to build this program and establish this program and, and bring it to where it is now today. Um, and that was very easy to see. Um and I think the world of Luke Fickle, and he, he'd been nothing but good and gracious to me in my time there. And, uh, 
he's done a phenomenal job. I think, you know, the coaching part is one element, but there's so, so many other things that people don't see in terms of the roster building, the talent acquisition, the staff turnover, um, everything that you have to do at a high level to continue to compete like Cincinnati has competed in the G5. So, uh, listen, I think that experience that he had at Ohio State, even that one season uh, where he had to kind of be the interim, uh, was probably the best thing that ever happened to him in his career. Um, and I would say Cincinnati is extremely fortunate to have somebody like him. And you got to get a kick out of like DeBlanco, Brooks, Brown, some of those guys, after all these years, they're still here. They're still here. I, I mean, I can't believe it. You know, I feel like I'm like Desmond Ritter. I'm looking at the class today, 2017. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, what year is it? You know, <laughs> I mean, Joel DeBlanco, I, I see him. What, what do you have a pick last game against yeah. Houston, right? So, I mean, I'll tell you what, man, those kids, um, I'm proud of them. I didn't have a relationship with every one of them. But, like, what those kids mean to the city of Cincinnati, and I know the city of Cincinnati loves and embraces this team. Um it's been it's been pretty amazing to watch, and uh, I wish them nothing but success. And I can't wait to see him face Alabama. And finally, Marcus Freeman's going to kill it at Notre Dame, isn't he? Yeah, he's a he's a stud, man. I mean, he's a stud. I think talk about a guy that gets it, and like, you know, there's going to be like I think people need to understand like that there should be a lot of excitement about him. But first time head coach, right? Yeah, like we talked about that experience that Fickle had. At Ohio State, it's not just one of these things. Like, not everybody's Ryan Day. You're going to have one of these situations. And listen, I think Marcus Freeman, the thing about him, super cerebral dude, very smart, surrounds himself with really good people, understands, um, you know, what it takes to operate at a high level. But I think, you know, there were one or two guys that I think could have taken over Notre Dame. And this is not a, a slight at Brian Kelly that are really going to upgrade the athletic profile. Uh, of Notre Dame's roster, and that's Marcus Freeman, and the other one happens to be Luke Fickle. Right. Um, so, you know, I think he's going to do a great job. I hope Notre Dame, and they will be, they need to be patient with him. I think year one and year two is going to have to figure some stuff out. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean wins and losses, uh, but there will be other things that, that come with the job that uh, he'll have to navigate. But uh, super excited about him. I think he's going to be a stud. All right. Thanks, man. It's uh, It's been great catching up with you. It was good to see your face. I haven't I, it's been a, been a long time, huh? I know. It, it was like, man, I, I meant to reach out when you when you first got the job and things have been so crazy. And it's like when Mick said he was having you on, I was like, holy cow, it's been it's been yeah, a long time. So throwback uh, Friday, baby. No yeah. doubt. It's been good to catch up, man. And we appreciate you joining us on the first ever Bearcat Journal recruiting show. Let's Your guest one. Thanks, Cooper. Bring me back for the uh, 100th edition. Yeah, you'll be on the 100th when we have everybody scroll through. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Well, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cooper. All right. Good stuff from Cooper there, Mick. That's uh, a guy that, you know, that that was, those were, those were tough times back then. it's (laughs) It's always great to hear those perspectives of the guys that have been inside the walls in those positions and just sort of hear how people, those people think, how they view guys. Cause even though you, like we talk about all the time, we, we think we know what a good football player looks like and, or even in basketball, cause you're always out on the AU circuit. We think we know what a good player looks like, but those guys really have the, the better idea. And it's great to just sort of hear the perspective that gives them that. For sure. Uh, we got a question. Um, do we know what key seniors may have another year of eligibility 
uh, that may come back. Basically, anybody that that does hasn't been here six years uh, would have an extra year. Um, there's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to be have to be made there. Um, stay tuned to Bearcat Journal. We've been talking a little bit about it on the message board. I, I know more than I can say at this point. Um, <laughs> I do think some of those guys that were out there on senior day uh, will be back next year. Wrap it up, yeah, man. It's your show. Get us out of here. All right. So thank you guys for tuning in to the first episode of the Bearcat Journal Recruiting Show. Thanks for Chad for running everything just behind the scenes while being on camera. And we'll let you know when we get, jump back on with another guest to have another one of these shows. Well, I think what we're, what we're looking for, I want to do one, like if there's a commitment, I would, I want to do one of these uh, so we can get everybody a uh, live reaction on, on what you and I are thinking on the commitment. Um, any big, like if there's a junior, a big junior day, um, anything that's, that's going to generate a lot of conversation, we're going to pop on with one of those. I don't think we're at, especially right now. Um, I don't think we're at the point yet to do it weekly, but no. there, there very well could be a chance in the summer when camps are going on, you'll, you'll see, you know, multiple, multiple of these pop up. It's going to be a, uh, as necessary type broadcast, but it's one I think that that's important for us to add. So Mick has been kind of prodding me behind the scenes to get this thing started. So good job on, on episode one. Thank you. And like he said, we'll, we'll get some guests in, hopefully. Like you said, commitments, we'll get some coaches, some players, some different things in that can comment on the guys or different different perspectives. So that's the goal. That's the hope. There's too much stuff going on with recruiting for just me and Chad to talk about everything. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you next time. The Bearcat Journal Recruiting Show. No sponsor yet. So my DMs are open. Everything else has got a sponsor on this website now. That's it. We'll see you next time. BearcatJournal.com.